Thank you, Dave, uh, for the reading. You're still standing, so that's always a good sign. And thank you, Kim, for leading us so thoughtfully uh, through our prayers for others and indeed for ourselves. This morning, we continue our journey through the gospel according to John, and we come to a passage about love. But to begin, a quote from one of my favorite movies, Love Actually. The opening words, actually from the movie. Whenever I get gloomy about the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. It seems to me that love is everywhere. Often, it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I have a sneaky feeling that you'll find that love actually is all around. And as we come to this passage in John's gospel this morning, what we see is that love actually is the command. We live in a world where we have been led to believe through things such as movies, for example, that we ought to be prepared to give our most important message to the ones we love when we ourselves are close to leaving this world. But in truth, the last words that people utter can, be easily, can easily be indecipherable as profound or can be easily be defiant as filled with blessing. This week, I was searching the internet and Walt Disney on his deathbed whispered the words, Kurt Russell. And no one, including Kurt Russell, knew what he was talking about. When Joan Crawford, uh, her maid, began to pray for her as she was dying, she snapped, don't you dare ask God to help me. Louis Costello of Abbott and Costello said, there was the best ice cream soda I've ever tasted. But sometimes gems can come too. Thomas Edison on his deathbed said, it's very beautiful over there. And Steve will be pleased that I'm now going to quote George Harrison from the Beatles who said, love one another. What this morning would you say to your loved ones to sum up all the wisdom you've gleaned from your years of living? Because in our scripture passage this morning, Jesus is doing exactly that. Because this passage, as we come to it in John's gospel, details for us the last few hours of Jesus' life. The last few hours that he spends with his nearest and dearest. The ones he calls his own. And in that moment, he gives them his final words. His most important knowledge his rules for living and loving and being part of the beloved community 
that he has created. Jesus tells them that I am the fine and my father is the fine grower. Immediately with these words, what we have is an image of something green and growing and which, when the fruit ripens, will make something even more wonderful and delightful. But we also have the image of someone tenderly caring for the vine, making sure that it's planted in just the right soil, making sure that it's given just the right amount of water, making sure that it is in a place where it can get the optimal amount of sun it requires to grow. But we also have the image of someone who prunes the branches to make sure that they are healthy and strong and produce the best fruit. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Of course, to those who would have been hearing Jesus originally, vine and fine branches would have been something they were very familiar with. Not only could they see them all around them, but vines and vine branches were entrenched in the minds of the children of Israel. So in one sense, when Jesus is speaking to them, Jesus is reminding them of their past and the present which he has come to fulfill. They would have remembered that great golden vine over the porch of the temple. They would remember the image of the vine on their coins. Think back to Psalm 80, where Israel is described as the vine out of Egypt, which goes on to talk about the vine being burnt with fire because it failed to be a light unto the Gentiles, as we read in Isaiah 49. We learn through the story of the people of Israel, that they had become far more attracted by the gods around them rather than being missional. Could this serve as a warning to us this morning? What other gods around us, whether on television, in the supermarket, or in the media, have we maybe just squeezed the living God out for? But the vine has a second importance because the vine is utilitarian. It exists to bear fruit. And in the passage we come to this morning, we discover that Jesus is talking about the family of God. Each one of us, as we sit here this morning, are to some extent the product of our family. We are the product of not only the people who gave us birth or raised us, but of generation upon generation of people that we never knew, but yet whose existence still influence our lives. Think, if you will, for a moment, the things that you have picked up from your parents. The way, perhaps, you pronounce words. The inflection may be, in your voice, the tendency to get extra loud or extra quiet when you're mad. And then realize that your parents pick those up from their parents and their parents' parents and generation and generation. The traits of our family 
abide in us. For some of us, it may be things like having blonde hair or lack of blonde hair. For some of us, it may be brown eyes. For some of us, it may be long legs. For some of us, it may be academic success. For others, maybe it's that quick wit that we share with each other around the dinner table. Or maybe the heavy way you drive or the speed you like to go at. Or a particular way that you say goodnight. The people who brought us into the world, the people who nurtured us, the people who loved us, the people who stayed up with us when we were sick, the people who made sure we had hats and gloves when we left the house, or socks, maybe in my case, these things stay with us. They become truly part of who we are. The people who loved us into being leave a mark on us. And so it is with the community of believers in God. Jesus, in our reading, says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And that means that what Jesus has, and what and who he is, he gives to us, passes along to us, and becomes in turn part of us. Jesus says that those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. Every baby that comes into this world does so after abiding for a period of time, ideally nine months, in an environment that it is intended to grow in, in an environment that gives it everything it needs to grow and to thrive. So this morning for us to abide in Jesus, it is to have that nurturing environment, something wonderful, something beautiful, and something life-giving. And as we abide in that environment, we are able to develop the characteristics that are part of the person in whom we are abiding. In Scripture, we read that some of the fruits that are to be produced in our lives are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And Jesus tells us, love one another as I have loved you. But this morning, we live in a culture, really, don't we, that tells us that love is a feeling. It's that jolt in your heart when you look at someone and realize she's the one. Or it's that melting feeling that you get when a newborn baby is placed in your arms. Or maybe it's the joyful recognition when you, re- when you recognize your brother, parent, or best friend after a long time. Because there's that sense of homecoming. But it is equally important for us this morning to understand that when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, that we need to look beyond love as just being a feeling. Because the love that Jesus is referring to here 
is a decision. The love that Jesus is, re- is mentioning here is an action. Love one another here means be kind to one another. Help one another. When someone is hungry, give them food. When someone is thirsty, give them a drink. When they are strangers, welcome them. When they are naked, clothe them. When they are sick, visit them. Jesus lays this out throughout Scripture as we witness his life. But there's one ingredient found in John's gospel that we do not find anywhere else, and it is this. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this morning as we come to this passage, we can see that there are a number of ways in which we can indeed lay down our lives. You you lay down your life when you go without sleep to sit up with a sick child. You lay down your life when you choose forgiveness over bitterness and hate. You lay down your life when you go not halfway, but all the way in self-giving. Love one another as I have loved you. As we've said, as we come to this reading this morning, this is one of the final lessons that Jesus is giving to his disciples. They're walking through the garden on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is talking to them, teaching them, but also preparing them for the horrors of the next 24 hours. But he is also preparing them for the mission that he was calling them to, and continues to call us as the church universal to today. And Jesus talks about love and abiding. What does it mean to abide? Well, to abide means to remain stable or fixed in a state. Or another, another explanation may be to continue in a place. So this morning when you and when I follow Jesus' commands and obey his commandments, we abide or remain stable or fixed in the state of his love. That is what Jesus was talking about when he says, abide in me. Held together by his example. That is who we are this morning if we abide in who he is. But if we want to abide in his love forever, we must be willing to extend that love and demonstrate that love to others, just as Christ demonstrated it during his time here on earth. Love one another. We have witnessed a week in which we have grappled as a country as what it means to live and love one another. As we see a changing face in Northern Ireland, we have grappled with the questions of what it means to love one another. But the message is very clear here this morning in Scripture, that loving others because of the love that we have received from God is 
a commandment. Our love this morning for others should be joyous. How could it not be joyous when we know that we are loved by an everlasting love? When we know that we are loved by a love that will not walk out? When we know that we are loved by a love that will never let us go? That we know that we are loved by a love as we have singing that poured itself out for us? Joyous love. But we also learn from our readings this morning that love is something we can work to achieve. Because as we continue in relationship with the person who is at his very core love, that love is passed on to us. And as we move and breathe and encounter different circumstances and situations, there are opportunities to put that love into practice. We might not get it right all the time. Love is not easy. Love is hard because love keeps no records of wrong, as we remembered in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we so often hear read at weddings. Practicing what it means to be disciples, practicing what it means to live in this new kingdom style of living if we listen and hear the call of that kingdom as we were singing about this morning. But as we encounter this passage and two passages of scripture, we also see that love requires sacrifice. Love requires that we do not put ourselves first. Love requires that we ask more what is the right thing for others. What this morning may we need to sacrifice to bring out that love in others. Maybe we might need to sacrifice some of our money. Maybe we need to sacrifice some of our time. Maybe we need to sacrifice some of the ideas and traditions that we have held on to for years. Maybe we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves as individuals this morning, as ourselves as a congregation this morning, and as a denomination, what is stopping us from fully embracing this radical, life-changing, revolutionary way of living? In the passage we have shared, Jesus reminds his disciples that they were chosen specifically by him. Just like they were, so are we. And each one of us has been chosen for a reason, just as they were. And the reason we find in John 15 is that we are to go and to bear fruit. Bear fruit? What fruit are we bearing this morning? Is it the fruit that we're trying to cultivate by ourselves in our own lives? Or is it the fruit that is coming from the very fine itself? Is it the love that is a result of abiding in God and who he is? This week when I was reading, I came across a quote that said, it is not, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek out and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. This morning, are we willing to look deeply into who we are? 
Are we willing to see the barriers that maybe we have built to love? Are we willing as a community to let others help us to see where we are not loving? Are we willing, as Ken so often said, to live a life of love? Because when we do live in that life of love, as we have read, we realize that there is no room for fear in love. We live in a very fearful world, fearful of what is round the next corner, fear of the other, fear of the one who doesn't think and look and talk like me. Yet, when it comes to love, there is no room for fear. In First John, we read, we though are going to love, love and be loved. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. As we go from here into the week that lies ahead, why don't we ask ourselves, are there people that we are not loving? Are there people that really need to see God's love? And ask ourselves, are we ready as a people to be the bearers of that love in flesh to them? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, perfect love, love that drives out fear, love that never lets go, love that holds on to us even when we may not be holding on to it. Thank you. Thank you from the very depths of our hearts. But as we have experienced that love, we hear your call to love as you have loved, to be your love in action in the world, to be the love that people so desperately need to see. So we pray, challenge us, convict us, show us, lead us, encourage us to live as you command us, that we may see that love actually is all around. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.